today on It's Time. God has a way of guiding and providing for all of us according to His love. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, he's going verse by verse through the book of 3rd John. So turn there in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. And if you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of 3 John, right back by the book of Revelation. We've already been through 1 John, which deals with fellowship with God, and then 2 John, dealing with not having fellowship with false teachers and all. And today we're going to be looking at, really, fellowship with the brethren, why it's important. So I want to encourage you again to follow along, if you can, as we uh, go verse by verse through the Bible. Well, let's pray. Father, as we go to your word this morning, we just ask you that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and give us that wisdom and that understanding that comes only from you. And God, that you would help us remember these things so we can apply them to our life in a daily way. And so thank you again for all you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Looking at this book written after 70 AD, Titus, a Roman general, came in and leveled the city of Jerusalem and burned it. And uh, the persecution had begun upon Christians. And so we find a lot of times John writing in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, this kind of almost uh, speaking in code. We remember last week, to the elect lady. Well, who's the elect lady? Well, some commentaries say it was the church, but there's problems with that because to the elect lady and her children, we are not children of the church, we're children of God. So I have to rule that out. The second thing we looked at was that, um, well, it was some unknown lady that John was writing to. Problem with that is it says, who is loved by all who love the truth. Well, not everybody in the whole world knew who this was, unless you come to the conclusion that it was most likely Mary that he was writing to. Yes, that same Mary that Jesus, when he was on the cross, said, John, behold your mother. He was giving John the care for his mother into John's hand. We find a letter to evidently Mary there in 2 John. The Bible tells us that Mary, the mother of Jesus, in fact, did have a sister. It's mentioned there in the very last verse of chapter of, of 2 John, verse 13. And also, Mary had children. The perpetual virginity of Mary is not taught in the scripture anywhere. In fact, it even lists Jesus's brothers by name. And so uh, we find that this, and why was it written to the elect lady? Well, we remember the persecution was on. And of course, oftentimes those that were wanting to persecute people, put down uprisings, would not only go after the individual, but they'd go after their family as well. 
And so many people believe this. And very possibly, as we go into 3 John now, we find the same thing. He doesn't say, I, John. He says, the elder or the presbyters uh, write these things. John was recognized as probably the last living disciple. And so this is why we find the word, the elder. And who's he writing to? To the beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. And by the way, that's the basis for any real relationship that we have is truth. And again, if you put, uh, in fact, you take truth out of any relationship, you won't have a relationship. And so truth is key in friendship. Always remember that because if we can be honest with those around us, then we know that they're going to accept us for who we are. Now, we've often said this concerning God, God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. So we're under a refining process with the Lord. Now, he tells us here, Gaius, who is this? Well, many people believe this is not the same Gaius we find mentioned in Corinthians and other places. Why is that? Well, Gaius was a common name. And so he writes this, and evidently he doesn't feel that it was jeopardizing his security or his safety because of persecution and mention him because it was a common name. Well, he writes on, he says, beloved. By the way, again, that's who you are in God. You are beloved. Never forget that. You're loved. And you know when you're loved, it changes the whole way you think about everything. You know when you don't think anybody loves you and everybody hates you and you want to go eat worms? Well, let me just tell you something. When you know that God loves you, it really changes your perspective, first of all, of who you are, and second of all, people around you. You ever been in a bad mood and you hate everybody? That's what I'm talking about. So when we are loved, we recognize we're loved. That's going to change a lot about us. Now notice it says, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, people have taken this verse and ran to the moon with it. And it was never meant to be a general blanket statement that God wants everybody fat out, wealthy, rich, and healthy. Now, I, I do believe that, but probably not this side of heaven. We live in a fallen world. Who said this? Let's look at this. I, I've shared before, we're going to be a little bit of Columbo, and we're going to do some investigative uh, research here as we study God's word. Who wrote this? Beloved, I wrote that. Notice it doesn't say, beloved, God wants you to prosper in all things and be as health just as your soul prospers. John is writing this as a greeting to Gaius. And this is really important because people have said, no, God wants everybody to prosper and be wealthy. Just blab it and grab it. Visualize it. It's yours. No, that isn't what the Bible's teaching here. He's giving a general greeting to a dear friend. Now, a couple of things, though. On the other part, if you don't recognize your love and life in Christ, and you have a bad image about yourself, you're going to beat yourself up, and this is one of the great problems that we find. Now again, false doctrine always always swings one, one side too much. And oftentimes, people will swing the other way too far as well. If you are always going around down in the mouth, bad at everybody and everything, it will affect your health. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs that laughter is like a good medicine. Well, hey, you need that. You need to be happy and it's going to be good for you. And when we find here that 
He says that you would prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Just think about the people whose soul isn't prospering, that they would really be a mess. So again, there's a balance here that we look at that God, I believe, is favor towards us. I think that's really good. The damage here that's done is when I might be going through a scant part of my life. Maybe I'm a little low on funds, or maybe I have been going through some health issues or whatever that God doesn't love me. That is not true. In fact, Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, drink some wine for your stomach and your other infirmities. Why did he say that? He didn't say, well, have more faith, Timothy, or hey, get that sin out of your life. He recognizes, and we all should recognize, we live in a fallen world. I was talking to a brother when we were all the meet and greet time, and he said, you know, as we get older and we're all talking about different things, I said, yeah, and how we all long for a new body. We do that. I don't know if you've noticed, I don't care whether you're 30 or you're 80, you recognize you've got aches and pains in places you didn't even know you could get them. Even your aches and pains have aches and pains. That's bad. Well, the Bible says we're going to get a new body and it's one that will not age and get old. Verse 3 says, For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in truth. He said, you're of good report, brother, and I've heard about it, and I'm encouraged. And by the way, that's always a blessing in anybody's life. Mom and dad, you know how much you rejoice when your children are doing well. You know if you've shared your faith with a friend and they've accepted Christ and you've nurtured them and maybe they've moved away and you hear about how they're continuing on in their faith. Man, that really makes you feel good. You go, yes, that's it. You got it. You figured it out. Well, that's what he's saying here. He's saying, I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that's in you as you walk in truth. By the way, it says walk in truth. I I like that. I I have found that sometimes we try to do a jog or a high-speed sprint, but generally our relationship with God is a walk. And and always remember that. It's disciplined. It's every day. And by the way, every person here, you are disciplined in certain areas of your life, even if you don't think you are. When you walk, you put one foot in front of another. That allows you to move. Our faith works the same way. We build upon principles that we've learned from God yesterday as we step out in faith for tomorrow. Every day we grow in our relationship with God, recognizing his faithfulness in the past. Now I know, and I've seen this in my own life, so I know it's true. I know that I've seen God in my life divinely, miraculously, deliver me from some of the most treacherous things that I have ever could have ever dreamed of. In fact, if I was, back when I was 12 years old, if somebody would have told me as a Christian I would go through what I went through, I wouldn't have believed them because it was so fiery, those trials that come. But God got me through every single one of them. God's got you through every single one of yours. You're here today. You made it. So far, we're doing good. But it's funny that when I get a new trial, and I don't know if this this relates with anybody here, but when you get a new trial, you go, God, where are you? Same place he always was. He got you through the ones in the past. This one here 
He's going to get you through this one too. Never fail to realize the faithfulness of God in your life. He loves you. He died for you. He redeemed you. He didn't just save you to put you on a shelf. He put you in a place where you will grow with God. And when we go through those trials, you know what those are called? Faith building exercises. Just as he's been faithful in the past, he'll be faithful in the future. That's the way God walks. Wants you to walk in him in that truth. In verse four, he says, I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. Isn't that true? Again, just as you see. Now, what do you do about those that don't walk in truth? What do you do about those that break your heart? Friends, I believe that's where we pray for them. We have to always pray for people that they'll understand their need for Jesus. You see, life is bigger than we are. And see, this is one of the great problems that people in the world know, but they don't know what to do about it. They know life is bigger than they are. Life is going to present bigger challenges than their resource, ability, intellect will allow them to do. But where do they go for that answers to life. Well, you'll find they go many places. They go to Ann Landers. They, they, they go to their friends. They go to the bars. They go to, they, you know, they, they go to the internet. Now there's a true source for truth. Um, and and you, you'll find all these things. And one of the things that, that, again, we have to go to God because God's the only one that knows the particular parameters about your life. Do you realize, again, we talked about this many times, you are unique in everything about you. No one's ever been like you ever here on this earth ever before. No one will be like you ever on this earth ever again. You're unique. And that means I need a unique set of information to deal with the unique parameters in my life. In other words, I can't wear your shoes. Because you've been in different places than I've been, so I need someone that knows where I've been to course, give me the course of life that I need to follow. And if I don't have that in my life, I will make numerous, horrible, disastrous mistakes. See, in other words, the old saying goes, live, learn from other people's mistakes. You can't live long enough to make them all yourself. Well, how much better would it be to go to the source of all information, your God, and say, God, open the doors in front of me today in my life and close the doors you don't want me to go down. We pray that prayer. God gives us a blowout. We get mad at God. But do you realize that maybe in that blowout that you had on your tire or that flat that you had, God prevented you from maybe getting in a wreck farther down the line. God has a way of doing things. That's why I don't want to complain to God when things I think don't go my way. I want to say, God, I want to walk in your truth and I want to see my friends walk in your truth trusting you that you brought me this far, brought you this far for his specific reason. Verse five, beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for brethren and for strangers. He's saying, you know what? You guys, I've heard rumors. He's he, again, going back, uh, uh, rejoice greatly when the brethren came to me and tells me what's going on with you. He says, you do faithfully 
Whatever you do for brethren and strangers, you're good to everybody. I like that. I like that about God. I like that about God's people. What you do, you do for everybody. People you know and people you don't know. That's good. You know why? That's the way Jesus was. He was good to people he knew, his disciples. And he was good to people that come up he never met before. Jesus, Darius says, my daughter is grievously ill. Will you come and pray for her? You see, Jesus was benevolent towards everyone. You never know who you're being kind to, what position and what and why God put them in your life. Well, he says, you do for those in the, as brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you do well. In those days, there were a lot of itinerant ministers that would come, minister the body. He's saying, you bless them. You bless those that you know. You bless those that you don't know. You take care of them and you send them on your way. He said, that's really good. Because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. Oh, I wish so many churches would get this. Taking nothing from the Gentiles. A lot, of, a lot of churches, a lot of people don't care where they get their money. They'll beg from anyone. The one thing I've always endeavored to do here and anybody that's ever gone to this church knows I never, ever, ever have ever begged for money. Ever. Do you know why? Because I know God good enough to know where God guides God will provide. I know that. Don't hear me begging over, you know, we don't have begathons on CSN radio. I just never in it. I guess, you know, poor Jesus is in the bread line. Would you please give me something? No, I can't see God doing that. I'm very careful. I want to be extremely careful. If God shares a vision with all of us that we do something together and God puts it on our heart to do. We all should be more than benevolent givers. Why? Because God is the one that gives to us. And again, if you think you're the one that makes yourself rich or poor, you are fooled and bought into a lie of the devil. Why is that? Because the Bible says God has the knowledge to witty inventions. God is the one that makes rich and makes poor. How does God do it? I don't know. I just know he does. I've seen God intervene in supernatural ways. I've seen something that I have needed to buy and as I'm on my way to town to buy it, there's a yard sale. And I, oh, I'll just stop there and see if they got any junk. You know, one thing nice about yard sales, you get tired of looking at your own junk. You want to go see somebody else's. So you stop there. And there's the very thing I was going to go buy for a nickel. And I go, God, how do you do that? It's because God is big. Now, the thing is, God provides for us because he loves us. And when we find ourselves in a Christian world begging from Gentiles or begging from, some of your Bibles use the word pagan, God doesn't need their help to do his work. God has a way of guiding and providing for all of us according to his love. And God is the multiplier. Hey, I'll tell you, I've been going down the road and Swerved around something I saw on the road, and if I hadn't saw that sharp piece of glass, I'd had to buy a tire. God has a way of making up 
for us in miraculous ways. God can make the washing machine last another five years. God can have a way to make your car last another two years. God provides for us. And so never underestimate the the Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides in the Old Testament. That was one of the names that God was known by. In fact, God revealed himself um, in different names in the Old Testament to show part of his personality to people. But Jehovah Jireh, our provider, God is the one that takes care of us. And so he's saying, you take care of these people that come, you send them on their way, they're a blessing, and you're doing well because you do that. And you're not taking money from the world to do it. Verse 8, we therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers in the truth. Now he's saying, this is the basic way we should live. Understanding, first of all, and if you're not a Christian here today, first of all, you need to be. Second of all, if you're not a Christian, who's your daddy? Because you don't have Jehovah Jireh. You don't have a God that provides for you. And because you don't have that, you're having to fend for yourself. No wonder you steal. No wonder you lie. No wonder you have to identify with sometimes people that aren't too cool to get by. But you know when you have a relationship with God, God provides for us. Always remember God is the provider for everything you need. And you know what you need? It ain't always money. Sometimes it's just that loving Holy Spirit inside of you saying, it's okay, I'll see it through. I got it under control. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.